Hi, I'm Kyle Rode, and you are listening to the Sea of Red podcast. This episode is brought to you by R.T. Roger Oil Incorporated. Uh, being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know. I've done this long enough. Every year is different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we can. do all things through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He strengthens us, he strengthens us. Each, and every day. each and every day. And may God, may God. God. Play with the play. All right. Thanks for listening. This is the A Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan, and I am joined by the creator, owner, all things A Sea of Red, my friend, John Manson. John? Good afternoon to you, and uh, congratulations on our alma mater, favorite team, uh, being 3-0, and headed into a Power 5 ranked. Uh, John, it feels good, man. It feels like uh, I my momentum and uh, fan, what do, you, what do you call it? Yeah, my fan momentum has not uh, snuffed out quite yet. I still got plenty in the tank. Excited to be three and oh you know it was like it feels like that this feeling and this every every time we record we're coming off of some type of historic win or some big momentum shifter it's i just i don't know how to kind of phrase that other than hey look we're still here that still feels good and still excited to be three and oh how are you doing today yeah man doing good and it's you know we keep talking about it but yet you're exactly right I mean, but stop and think Liberty's 15 and one in their last 16 games going back to the end of the 2019 season, been ranked in the top 25, two wins over power five teams, uh, win over a top 25 coastal Carolina team, top 15, top, they might've been top 10 in some polls, um, you know, who was undefeated at the time, a rival, uh, you got Malik Willis, who's, you know, with that performance Saturday against old dominion, he's put himself in the, uh, conversation to be to make a run at this Heisman talk that we've all been talking about um, we got one of the best head coaches in in all of college football it's a great day to be a flame three and0 favorite against a Syracuse team uh, and you're right it keep seems like we, we say the same thing every week but that's the way it's been the last you know 16 games which has gone back almost two full years now so it, it's it's a great time it's a fun time. Let's talk about a few of those topics you just hit on. How did how did Malik how did his Heisman chances increase or decrease on uh, with his stats on Saturday compared to where the other guys were? Um, are you keeping an eye on the Heisman watch? We'll call it. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely keeping an eye on that. You know, I, I use that uh, hashtag on Twitter during games. You know, and update his stats throughout the game and throughout the year. Uh, we have a weekly. I think it's every Tuesday right now. We're doing a weekly Malik for Heisman uh, update uh, on who's the favorites right now. He he made some um, uh, some ground up this past week. You know, with a six touchdown performance, four through the air and, and two on the ground. 
Um, also, also had 77 rushing yards and over 200 passing. So it was a very good game, very efficient. He's passing, you know, over 70%, completing over 70% of his, his passes so far this year. And, um, you know, he's right. In, he's in the hunt. He's where he needs to be. He's within striking distance. Uh, he's always going to be coming from behind, as we knew. But that's not so much to do with Malik as it is to do with Liberty and being, you know, being a non-Power 5 school, a non-Top 25 team right now. Um, Liberty has to keep winning, and he has to have a few more games like he did against ODU. But um, if he has, you know, two or three more games, you know, where he's got five, six, seven touchdowns in the game and the rest of the year, you know, all the other games are solid like he was in the first two. And Liberty ends up being, you know, 9-0 and going into Ole Miss, for example, or or finish the year at, you know, 11-1 and or 12-0, and then he's going to be right there in that conversation. You know, I'm not sure. It, it A lot of it comes down to how the season plays out and who else is out there. Obviously, Ole Miss quarterback, uh, is you know he had a great game Saturday night late, um, and he's he's probably the leader in the clubhouse as of right now. And uh, you know we'll, we'll keep monitoring it and tracking Malik's progress, but he's you know right where he needs to be. About the top twenty-five, that seems to be another thing we're keeping an eye on. Um, by my math, John, I felt like that Michigan State was going to be the only one to jump us. I thought Virginia Tech was going to fall out. I thought Auburn would fall out. Uh, I thought we were in. I thought we would be in the AP poll um, based upon who was ahead of us and what they did and who was behind us and what they did. I thought we would be 24-25. Here we are on the outside looking in. Uh, would have been a good opportunity to have that little 25 by our name headed into a Friday night matchup again on the road against a P5 school. Um, but here we are if we win. So do you think we should be ranked or not is the first question. And then the second question is, um, if we win Saturday night, how fun is it going to be this weekend watching all the games and knowing that we are 4-0 and just kind of watching all the games to see what unfolds in terms of top 25? It almost honestly feels cool to know that we have that to look forward to if we win and uh, kind of know that we're on the outside looking in and this would be our first weekend. So thoughts on those two things? Yeah, I mean – you know, I, I'm with you. We were kind of – I knew we were going to be right on the borderline of, you know, 25th or, you know, 26th or 27th, you know, which is where we ended up falling. And, uh, you know, uh, who was it? Fresno State who beat UCLA. They jumped over us with that with their win. And UCLA was the other one who I thought would have fallen out of the polls. Uh, but but they stayed in, as did Auburn, as you mentioned. So we're, we're still, you know, one or two spots out. But, I, you know – we we've talked about it before. And as I've said is, you know, it, frankly, it does. Yes. It's nice to be in the top 25. I want to be in the top 25. It's nice to have the 25 next to your name. Uh, but we're in national primetime uh, TV slot this year or this week, Friday night, and, you know, not many other games going on. Uh, people be tuned in to see what Malik's doing, see what freeze is doing. Uh, so we'll have the, the spotlight this week against an ACC team, a, a New York team, um, you know, and take care of business this week and get, get a win. You know, I would, you know, fully expect, I haven't even looked at the top 25 schedule this week to see, you know, what games are out there and which teams could lose. Obviously, I know Ole Miss and Alabama, neither one of them are dropping out of the top 25. But, um, you know, uh, every week it seems there's at least one or two teams that lose, if not more, that's down in that 18 to 25 range. So, so we're right on, 
right on there. I think we'll get in after, you know, if Liberty wins against Syracuse, I think they'll get in. And then, uh, you know, but but it obviously all comes down to, you know, I think these next two games are huge, right? I mean, we've talked about that as uh, Syracuse and and uh, UAB. These are games that are, you know, what Coach Freeze would call toss-up games. They're not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. I expect Liberty to be a favorite in both. They are about a six- to seven-point favorite right now over Syracuse. Probably a similar line against UAB, maybe even smaller uh, next week, depending on how this week's games goes. But, um, you know, if you can get through those and, and come out unscathed, then you got a run of about, I think it's four games where Liberty's going to be a heavy favorite. And uh, you can really make some ground up there in the polls and in the Heisman talk for Malik and all that. Um, but, yeah, I, as we talked, you and I talked uh, offline, um, I'm, man, I'm so hype about this week, about this weekend. It's setting up to what could be an absolute amazing week for Liberty football. We're talking about going up against a Syracuse, a, a name brand school in a big market, you know, in New York, uh, on the road, in the Carrier Dome, primetime, Friday night game. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on that game to see what Malik can do, to see if this Liberty team is for real. Syracuse fans are feeling good after they put up 60-plus points uh, against an opponent. I know it's Albany, but – they're feeling good because their offense hasn't done anything in, in a while. Um, they got a very talented running back, very talented receiver. Their defense is top five in the country right now for total defense. So they're confident. They're feeling like they can, you know, get Liberty back. We know Syracuse media and Syracuse fans, they don't like Liberty and what Liberty stands for. Uh, so we'll see some interesting articles again this week, I'm sure. It's the last of this three-game series. Uh, but, but it's Friday night. And with that spotlight, if Liberty can win as a Liberty fan, it sets us up for an amazing college football weekend because you can enjoy the game Friday night, enjoy, you know, the win, hopefully. And then Saturday, you can sit back, watch other games, pull for teams to, to lose, to give Liberty a, a spot in the top 25, watch Ole Miss, a, a game that's, you know, just around the corner, go up against Alabama. Uh, check and see how UAB is doing, you know, which will be a tough game next week. Uh, it, it'll just be a really fun weekend, provided Liberty wins Friday night. Yeah, I'm with you. So let's talk about those games. I think Alabama has Southern Miss this weekend, and then they have um, Ole Miss the following weekend in week five. So this week it's uh, Alabama has Southern Miss. Now, Ole Miss's next game might be Alabama. So I think Ole Miss might take a week off. But I wanted to talk about some twenty top 25 games. So you have Wisconsin, Notre Dame at Wisconsin, both in the top 25. Wisconsin's 18, Notre Dame's 12. Wisconsin is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So Wisconsin likely wins that. Does Notre Dame drop all the way from number 12 all the way out? All the way out? Doubt it. So uh, not really huge fans of either team there. Maybe if Notre Dame wins and Wisconsin has two losses, they will be out. So, yeah, we're probably – Fighting Irish fans. That's Saturday at noon. Um, they're underdog. Um, they're Notre Dame's underdogs by five and a half. But if they win, they'll knock Wisconsin out of the top twenty-five. Texas A&M, Arkansas. It's at Arkansas. Both teams are three and zero. I doubt either one of them drops. So not much to keep an eye on there. You have Iowa State at Baylor. Iowa State's already two and one, and uh, they are a seven and a half point favorite on the road against Baylor. Baylor wins that game. Iowa State's out at two and two. They're out. So we're big Baylor fans. We're big Fighting Irish fans. 
Also, you have um, Nebraska at Michigan State. So I know that on the at the at the sound of it, it doesn't sound like a big game, but MSU Michigan State at home is only a five point favorite. So they could easily um, lose that game as a five point favorite. So we are Corn Huskers, we are Baylor Bears, and we are Fighting Irish in terms of top twenty five. Um, if Liberty wins this weekend, um, and then lastly. I know, well, you got two more to keep an eye on. Kansas State is number 25. They have Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, and they're a six-point underdog. So Kansas State is a six-point underdog. If they lose, they're going to be out. Um, will Oklahoma State at 3-0 and jump us? Probably. So might just be null movement there for Liberty, but a top 25 losing could be good for us. So we'll root for the Cowboys there. And then you have Oklahoma West Virginia at Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma's number four in the nation. They're not going to drop out, but I think that, that West, Virginia, West Virginia is going to give them all they can handle. Oklahoma has not looked good so far this year. So uh, four games to keep an eye on in top 25 this week. Um, and, you know, mainly is the Fighting Irish, Baylor Bears. Um, you've got uh, Cornhuskers against Michigan State. And then the Cowboys of Oklahoma State beating Kansas State. That's the four teams that we want to win this weekend to improve our chances of being top 25, 25. Out of any other upsets that might occur, those are just the ones I saw that were close um, to kind of keep an eye on. So, whew, that was a lot there to kind of roll through that. I wanted to comment on the game day Saturday in Lynchburg. Um, I wanted to comment on two things. One, I thought the student section was brilliant. Um, it was a fun time to see those those guys are packing it in. I know that they are packed down there because I set up in the upper level above the student section and it was starting to overflow into the upper section. Like students were coming up there and they'd come right by my seats and look down and say, I don't see any openings down there. We got to sit up here. And then they'd file over and there was all, almost a second student section in the upper deck there. So I knew the student section was filling out, looking good. Um, I wanted to comment on the ordering from the app. You can order your food and go pick it up at concessions. I ordered three times. All three times I got a text that told me my food was ready, walked up, told the lady what I was, what I had ordered, and she handed me a bag, and I was back in my seat in 30 seconds. And I looked down there. There were lines, John. I know you don't, you don't uh, mingle with the great unwashed outside of the media box, but there were lines probably 30 to 45 minutes long over on the east side. So use the app. Um, if you don't know what the app, I don't know. And it's LU Eats. But if you need the name of the app, look on my Twitter. I posted about it last week. And then thirdly, I want to talk about attendance. Just the history, overall attendance record at Liberty. Um, something to keep in mind. Attendance has been counted differently since we've been in FBS. Back when we were in the FCS, we could count all kinds of crazy things, even um project we had a lot of different ways of counting attendance back in the good old days so games like montana any of those that showed up at over at over 20 or 18,000 you know kind of got a question whether or not that's a real attendance number because i know it wasn't counted the same way it is now now with the fbs those attendance numbers can be audited they are audited uh, you can't count certain things you used to be able to count so First, that's first and foremost. We got to compare FBS era versus FCS era because the attendance numbers were counted differently. Second thing I want to say is um, our fan momentum is just now peaking. We haven't had a great home opponent yet. That changes towards the end of this year. So uh, 
be patient. We will hit those big numbers. And uh, I was excited to see not only the the amount of fans there. I thought the amount of fans was good for a team we were supposed to beat by four touchdowns. But I thought that the fans that were there were significantly more engaged and involved and loud than years past. So I, I, I noticed that myself. I was looking around and everybody got up on third downs. Uh, I was cheering for the team. I think the students start most of that, but uh, it's definitely come up into the upper section of the east side and even over on what we call the Baptist side, the west side. Those guys were getting up on their feet and cheering as well. I thought it was a more engaged and a, a more loud, raucous crowd. So that was my three comments from the game on Saturday and also recap the top 25 this weekend. John, last thing I want to get your thoughts on are – are there any teams that have surprised you so far that are on our schedule? I know you do these deep dives on our schedule and kind of go through each opponent and kind of say, okay, they are good. They're not very good. We should beat them. Anybody that's that you were kind of wrong on or you've changed your opinion on since the beginning of the season, or is everybody kind of playing right where we thought they would? I'm going to answer that question in just a moment, but before I do, I had a question for you. I, I know we have a, uh, we have a mutual friend who, um, Put a decent amount of money down on uh, ODU plus 28 on Saturday night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very tight there. I mean, what the margin ended up being 28, and Liberty, you know, intercepted the ball and was driving late with Jonathan Bennett in at quarterback. Um, you know, do you know if that fan was uh, – that mutual friend of ours was, uh, was, you know, how he was feeling those last few minutes of the game when it was a 28-point game, and he's got a decent amount of money on ODU plus 28? Uh, well, John, I will uh, be honest with you. I, I have talked with him several times over the last couple of days, and I will say this, that uh, I, I think a wash in that situation where you bet against your favorite team because you thought the line was crazy – in that situation, uh, a wash will will basically give you a clean slate is like it, if it never happened. So the fact that it never happened and we just washed and no nobody owed anybody any money or lost any money or won any money, that was good enough for that fan to never bet against the Liberty Flames ever again, no matter what the situation, no matter who we're playing or what the spread is. So I think that fan learned their lesson and uh, – will never bet against the Liberty Flames, no matter the spread. So, um, yeah. So go ahead and answer the question now. <laughs> who who on our schedule has changed or kind of cha you've changed your opinion of um, so far through three weeks? Yeah, I'm not sure I've necessarily changed my opinion. I think there are teams on the schedule that are uh, at least as good as I anticipated and perhaps better. Um, Troy had a nice win on Saturday on the road at Southern Miss. Um, they're they're going to be a, they're going to win some games. I'll look through their schedule Saturday night or Sunday. They're going to win seven eight games. I, I if I had to guess uh, this season. So that's going to end up. We're going to look back on that and be like, man, that was a good win. And, and I think Troy's going to be better than we anticipated them to be entering the year. I mean, they were picked dead last in their division of the Sun Belt preseason. That's not going to happen. They're going to be they're going to be a good team. Um, you know, I've actually watched a number of Army games this year. I don't know why, but it seems like every time I turn on the TV and I have, you know, three, four hours or whatever to sit around and, and watch some college football on a Saturday, um, they're on or, or I'm able to watch them. And I'm always first looking for Liberty opponents, you know, to see uh, how they're doing. But Army's look really good. The first game of the year, 
they faced, uh, they were on the road at Georgia State, and they were an underdog, like a six or seven point underdog, which I thought was ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand how that that happened to be. They just completely blew uh, Georgia State out of the field that off the field that day. Um, I, I don't remember the final score. I don't have it in front of me, but they they looked really good in that game. They then uh, week two when I, I was down at Troy, I, I didn't get to watch much football, but I saw they they knocked off uh, Western Kentucky. It was a closer game than I would have thought. But then I watched their game this past weekend. Uh, and they were playing um, – who were they playing? Um, oh, they played UConn, which I know UConn's terrible, one of the worst FBS teams of all time, not just this season. Uh, but they – I mean, it was 42 to nothing, I believe, at halftime. Army, like I was surprised. I, they, that line, I think, was uh, Army minus 33. I didn't know if Army could score enough points with their triple option that they have and, you know, milking the clock. There's not that many possessions. I didn't know if they had enough you know, would have enough possessions to get to enough points to, to cover that 33 points, but they had 42 at halftime. Uh, so, so army looks really good. Uh, Louisiana had, had a rough opening to the season, their first couple of games. I know they're supposed to be one of the top teams in, in the Sun Belt, uh, but they, they rebounded this weekend. I think they're going to end up being just fine and how we expected another, another team is Ole Miss. Um, I'm sure several people listening have has paid attention. Ole Miss, the only SEC team on Liberty's schedule this year, they're good. Like, I mean, they're top. I think they're number 13 in the country in both polls, or certainly top 15. Uh, you know, and they play Alabama here in their next game, I believe. That they, um, I mean, it will it'll be interesting to see how they do against the Crimson Tide. But I think they have a, you know, they're legitimately probably a top. I think they're definitely a top 20 team. They may be a top 10 or top a team that's even flirting with the CFP as the year goes on. I, I know playing the SEC is going to be tough, you know, certainly to go and defeat it. But that offense, Lane Kiffin and their quarterback, man, they're they are good. And that's going to be a, you know, to say that's going to be a difficult game for the Flames here in, in a couple of months is you're putting it pretty lightly. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess, you know, North Texas got beat up pretty bad by UAB. UAB, as I mentioned, they beat them. 40 something to, to nine or something. I think maybe 49 to nine. I forget exactly what the score was somewhere around there. So UAB is going to be a, be a tough out uh, next week. Their game against Georgia, you can kind of throw the score out. Um, but, but we got some tough games on this, on this schedule, including this week against Syracuse. It hit the two that I was going to say, uh, Ole Miss looks just scary. Good. Their offense, that their defense, as big as those guys are, um, not going to say we can't we can't win that game, but but they than I was than I was anticipate. Um, and then um, and then you know you know some of the mentioned are right on point, and I think that Louisiana is going to rebound. Army, you know they're they're always going to be difficult. Um, somebody who is not as good as I thought they were going to be this year this year who obviously ODU. Uh, man, they just look terrible. They're they're not very good. If they didn't have Elijah Davis getting positive yards and kind of carrying their team uh they would be awful and then another one is um i'm kind of shocked with um man it just lost me. It, it just it just left me oh north texas i knew i know their their coach latrell he's a great coach and you know they have this high powered high powered offense he just can't stop anybody and they aren't even able to score i thought north texas with their prominence over the last few years um i thought they were going to be better this year and they just haven't been so that's you named a bunch of teams that were better than we thought they were going to be. Um, the two that I'm figuring out so far are North Texas and Old Old Dominion have not been as good as I thought they were going to be. So 
Whew, Friday's coming in hot, John. It's only a couple more days away, and we're right back into this thing. Football season is such a blur. It feels like we just kind of go right one after another. I love it. It's like a high speed, just kind of like high entertainment every every weekend. It's it's wild to me. But uh, you're doing a great job with the Sea of Red. Really appreciate all the content. And, uh, you know, it's always more fun when the football team is winning. So as to that point, um, let's go up to Syracuse on Friday and get another win before no and sit back and enjoy some college football this weekend. Yeah, let's do it. Um, like you mentioned, good time to be a Flames fan. And uh, this big game, obviously, against Syracuse, these two games are huge. I thought the Troy game, as I mentioned earlier, was a, uh, a big swing game for the season. And these next two are. Obviously, you got to take it one game at a time, but we're fans. We can talk about it. Uh, but these next two games are huge. I mean, if you come out of these two games, you know, 2-0, 1-0 each week and, and get out to 5-0, and uh, it's going to set up for a, another special year, uh, regardless of what happens those last three games, uh, which we'll have plenty of time to to talk about them and write about them at that time. But, uh, yeah, we got it starts Friday night against Syracuse. Um, you know, get your popcorn, get on that couch, and, uh, and enjoy the game. Sounds good. All right, go Flames. This KR22 Hoops Update is brought to you by R.T. Rogers Oil Incorporated. Established as an SO agent in 1971 and currently owned and operated by a proud Liberty alumni and athletic supporter, Greg Rogers. R.T. Rogers Oil Incorporated has expanded to distribute energy products in six states. RTR keeps thousands of commercial and industrial customers on the move every day. Regardless of your fueling needs or location, we bring quality fuel, exceptional service, and leading expertise right to you. This is another Kyle Road Hoops update. We're getting closer and closer to the basketball season. Uh, practice starts next week. We get to spend more time with our coaches on the floor, in the film room, and also in the weight room. So we're getting geared up for that. We've had a great offseason from Puerto Rico to the improvement we've made on the court. Um, in the weight room with Coach Han. And as a team, Coach McKay always always focuses on whole person development. Um, and we've grown closer as, as a team, um, individually as Christian young men. Um, and it's just been, it's been a great off season. But really looking forward uh, to getting into practice next week. we got a great non-conference schedule um, with our first home game uh, against Regent in November. Then also the next game heading to LSU. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun non conference schedule for us. Uh, we're gonna keep taking it day by day in practice. Um, just try to get better and represent Liberty the best we can. Thanks for tuning in to this Kyle Road Hoops update. All right, guys, we are joined by Mike McAllister. He is uh, he covers Syracuse, Mike. Tell us, uh, tell us where we tell us where we can find where, where you write for and and, uh, and and all that. So we can go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way here. Our site is called All Syracuse. You can find us at allsyracuse.com, and it's part of uh, the Fan Nation Network on Sports Illustrated's network of team sites. Awesome. So uh, let's jump right into the game this Saturday. Uh, have you heard much about a revenge game? by way of Syracuse or is this one that you feel like that they had circled the 
circled the calendar on or is this uh just a hey this is a good g5 team coming but it, it's not a conference game and we kind of are looking forward to other things what what's kind of the feeling i guess amongst amongst two sets of people the fans and then also the team what what are your what is your sense up there so I don't think the fans view this necessarily as a revenge type of a game uh, simply because, you know, there isn't a long rivalry or long history of Syracuse versus Liberty. Um, the fact that Liberty won last year, the fact that Liberty is good again this year, um, you know, I, I was surprised that they weren't included in in every preseason top 25 poll, to be honest with you, um, especially with Malik Willis back. I think when you've got a quarterback of his caliber, especially at the non-Power 5 level, you you expect that you're going to uh, challenge double-digit wins, I think, each season. But from a from a player perspective, I do get the sense that there's a little bit of, of revenge factor here. You know, not the same as, you know, when Syracuse is playing a Clemson or a Pittsburgh, who's a big rival of theirs or anything like that, but just a little bit from... Um, last year's game, Syracuse wasn't fully healthy. They feel like, you know, that that wasn't a great representation of who they are and how competitive they can be with a team like Liberty. So I think there is a little bit of that. I know Syracuse defensive lineman Josh Black um, quote tweeted out the uh, the tweet that the official Liberty football account did last year after the game with them stomping on an orange, uh, which which I thought was creative at the time. Um, I, I personally love Twitter stuff like that. But um you know, so he tweeted that out as sort of a reminder, uh, I think. So uh, it's pretty clear to me that last year's game is certainly on the minds of the players. So talk to me about the health. I know last year, uh, last year, you guys had a lot of guys opting out, had some guys kind of injured at the time. What are we looking like in terms of just, just health? And overall, do you have the guys who are the best on the team? Are they going to be playing this weekend? Yeah, for the most part, they're they're in really good shape, much better shape than they were last year. You know, last year, especially along the offensive line, they had a lot of issues in terms of injury and health and, and all of that. They went through, you know, three or four different quarterbacks last year. So there were quite a bit of issues this year. Uh, they, their offensive line is is pretty healthy. And, you know, they're just getting Dakota Davis, who's supposed to be their starting right guard. They're just kind of getting him back. He played quite a bit this past week against Albany to get his feet wet. He missed the the first two games, but uh, did play in the most recent one. Defensively, they're, they're primarily healthy. Um, Garrett Williams, who's their star corner, did miss last game against Albany, but that was more of a precaution because Albany's an FCS school and Syracuse was expected to win that game in blowout fashion, and they did. So they didn't really need him. He did dress, and my understanding is, you know, if they were playing Liberty last week, that he he likely would have have played, but because they didn't need him, they elected to rest him. So uh, there's, I don't want to say concern necessarily, but you are a little bit curious as to where he is after missing last game. He got digged up in the game against Rutgers. And then the only other real significant injury is... Um, the number one wide receiver, Taj Harris, he missed last week's game against Albany also with an injury. That was a bit of a surprise uh, because we hadn't heard anything about him potentially being out or limited leading up to the game. So he tweeted out right before the game started last week that he's he's going to be back this week. But, uh, you know, Dino Babers said during his press conference on Monday that he thought Taj would be back, but that still wasn't 
a guarantee. And obviously, if, if your number one receiver isn't available, uh, that's certainly going to have an impact on the offense. But other than that, they're, they're pretty healthy. Um, Chris Elmore, who's their starting fullback, H-back type of a player, uh, he actually started along the offensive line last year, which shows you how, how injured they were. Um, he's been out, and he's, he's going to miss this game. It's not injury-related. It's not disciplinary uh, for, for disciplinary reasons. We don't have the specifics on that, but he's not going to play. So he's, he's probably going to be the most notable, uh, okay. the most notable absence. Um, good. Uh, that sounds, sounds like, uh, sounds like Liberty. we got a few dinged up, but the majority should be playing. Um, so I kind of think that, and I believe during last year's game, I, <clears throat> I was kind of under the impression that I didn't know how Dino Babers was in, in good standing with the fan base of the athletic department. Um, and, but now coming into this year, I know that he had a rough year last year and the team's not where they want to be this year. Would you say that he is, he's, he, I just want to confirm what I believe is he is not on the hot seat that he, he's doing good things up there in Syracuse and kind of having them competitive every few years or so. Is that, the, is that the kind of the feeling of the fan base and the alumni and the, the booster clubs up there? Or is it, uh, different? Is he, is he really coaching for his job this season? I think it's split. There, there's certainly a faction of the fan base that has already decided that he's not the guy and they're ready to kind of move on and, and try to find another option. Uh, my sense within the athletic athletic department is that um, they're not nearly at that point. And I think it would take something like a, another one in 10 or, um, you know, two in 10 type of a season before, you know, they would really really make that move. I think if Syracuse goes five and seven, even if they miss a bowl game, uh, but you know, they take some steps forward from last year that that would be enough to get him, you know, at least another season. And, and the thing to remember too, is Syracuse university has a reputation of being a little bit uh, stingy. We'll say with, with what they pay some of their coaches and specifically within the football program. And he signed a pretty big extension in 2018. He's still got several more years on that deal, there would be still a pretty substantial buyout if they were to move on from him now. So I don't get the sense that that's going to happen um, after this year, barring something catastrophic like a one or two win season. Yeah. So uh, what what's the what's the expectations after um, after three games here? Or is the team living up to kind of what everybody thought in terms of uh, win totals, or is it? kind of looking kind of grim already or are we are we over exceeding what's kind of the uh trajectory um in terms of in terms of expectations happened so far in the first three games I, I think going into the season the thought was yeah, Syracuse had to be two and one after the first three but there was uh perhaps a little bit of hope that they'd figure out a way to be three and oh going into this Liberty game because then you're playing a Liberty team that's either going to be ranked or borderline ranked. And if you're a power five team and you're three and oh, and you beat a team um, that like Liberty that I think has the respect of, of a lot of uh, people across, you know, the, the national landscape. And now all of a sudden you're four and oh, I, th I think you're, you're going to be in the discussion to be ranked. So there was some hope that Syracuse would figure out a way to, to make that happen and make this game uh, a huge game. But, um, there's there's a, a large percentage of the fan base I think that's that's pretty good with the fact that they're two and one and, and is looking at this Liberty game as kind of a measuring stick game. But there's also a, a, a pretty decent sized faction that after Syracuse lost to Rutgers, especially because they struggled so much offensively in that game, 
And that was the big question is how much would the offense improve um, from last season? Because of that, there's there's a, a st- substantial uh, amount of fans that pretty much at that point said, oh, it's same old, same old, and, and I'm not expecting anything for the rest of the season. So a little bit split there. What are, what are I mean, offensively, defensively, who are some of the guys that have shown well so far and they're probably going to be probably going to be jumping off the screen uh, to uh, to Liberty fan weekend? Who, who are some of, who are some of the number for the first guy you want to look for offensively is Sean Tucker. He's been really, really good through the first three games. He has two 100 yard games. I think the only reason he didn't break 100 yards in week two against Rutgers is because they only gave him the ball 13 times for some reason. He is easily the most dynamic offensive weapon that Syracuse has this past week against Albany. He had uh, 255 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns. He was the first became the first player in Syracuse history to have 100 receiving yards and 100 rushing yards in the same game. The five total touchdowns was third all-time in a single game in, in Syracuse history in terms of uh, total touchdowns. He had four rushing and one receiving. Um, he's he's really, really good. He's one of the best backs in the ACC, and you would expect that the offense is going to kind of flow through him. Um, Quarterback-wise, we're still waiting on who the starter is going to be. They've kind of done the two-quarterback thing up to this point between Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader, but uh, I think in this game they're going to pick a starter, and that's going to be the guy. I don't think you'll see him going back and forth. Taj Harris is the other name to know on the offense, assuming he's good to go. He's their number one wide receiver. He plays in the slot, plays outside at times, and he's really good after the catch as well. Defensively, the guys you're going to want to keep an eye out for, uh, Mikel Jones, their starting middle linebacker. He's a playmaker, tackling machine, uh, good at forcing fumbles. He's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, From the defensive line, they rotate a lot of guys, and so they've kind of each had little moments here and there. You've had uh, Caleb Okachuku, who's who's a reserve defensive end. He's had a game where he's had a sack and and recovered a fumble. Cody Roscoe, a reserve defensive lineman, plays inside and outside. He had three sacks in the most recent game. Josh Black is kind of their steady leader among that group. I think McKinley Williams, who is their starting defensive tackle, um, normally is... Uh, the the most talented player on the defensive line, but uh, the the secondary is really I think the strength of of the entire team in terms of the most talent there. Uh, Garrett Williams, who I mentioned earlier, is is not playing last week because he was a little banged up and they were resting him. He has a legitimate chance to be a first round NFL draft pick. Uh, he's that good as a corner, kind of broke out last season as a shutdown corner. And the guy who starts opposite him is a true freshman de- named Deuce Chestnut. And he was ACC Rookie of the Week after his uh, performance in Week 1, where he he led the team in tackles, had an interception, just had a, a terrific debut, and he's been, he was the, the most highly rated defensive recruit that they had signed in the 2021 class, and he has certainly lived up to that billing. So those are kind of a few of the names to, to keep an eye on. Very cool. So <clears throat> I got two more for you. The Carrier Dome. Uh, what is it? What's the, the vibes going to be like up there? Are you guys full strength or full capacity? <clears throat> um, do you think that people are coming out for the games? Uh, you think like a typical Syracuse uh, game where we have, you know, close to that many fans or are we kind of uh, still uh, still still checking things out with COVID and trying to figure out what's going on with that? Or what do you think the vibe is of the fan base and uh, what kind of atmosphere can we expect on Friday night? 
I think it's going to be loud early, regardless of how many fans are there. You know, in the in the season, the home opener, I should say, against Rutgers, there were probably only twenty to twenty five thousand butts in seats. So you know, a, a little over half filled, um, partially because of those COVID guidelines. Um, but the fans that were there were really engaged and really into the game. And so, if you weren't staring at the stands. You wouldn't know that it wasn't filled because it felt like it was. Uh, I thought the atmosphere was really good for that. Usually Friday night games tend to be uh, a little better attended simply because it's kind of an event. The fact that it's a Friday night game and you're going to be on ESPN and and all all of those types of things. So uh, I I think it's got the potential to have a a decent crowd and whatever crowd is there. I think they'll be loud, but because, because, as I mentioned, when they lost to Rutgers and struggled offensively in that game, and it felt like that was a very winnable game for Syracuse, sort of your uh, the fair weather 10,000, I like to say, uh, a, a big chunk of them kind of checked out at that point. And so I think you're still um, you still have the ramifications from that, and that could dip attendance a, a little bit. So the half for you is about uh, this is kind of a little, a little not about the game Friday, but just conference realignment okay so liberty is facing a situation we're independent we're all kind of hoping for a conference uh, affiliation uh, invite here soon with all this latest round of realignment um take us back if, if you if you followed syracuse back in the day when syracuse was in the big east and then got moved over to the acc take us back to that first that that little bit where you were kind of uh did you know that was coming? Just w- talk to us about that realignment and what that did for the fan base. And have you guys built new rivalries since then in the ACC or anything close to those old West Virginia Syracuse rivals that they used to have in the Big East? Or uh, I don't know who who else in the Big East that that uh, Syracuse had a big rivalry with. But take us back to those days and uh, what it's like building all new conference mates and, and rivalries amongst uh, a new conference and kind of who is Syracuse's biggest rival in the uh, ACC? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, there's a pretty substantial uh, faction of the fan base, especially among the older fan base that was um, a little upset with the fact that they were moving from the big East to the ACC. You know, I, I would say that there were a lot of rumblings that that was, that was coming. So, um, I wouldn't say it was a complete shock by any means, but um, you know, the, the good thing for Syracuse is when that move happened, there were uh, a few schools that, that went over to the ACC that either went with them or had already gone. Um, you had Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Boston College. Those were teams that, even Miami, those were teams that Syracuse played in the Big East, and especially Pittsburgh and Boston College, Virginia Tech to to some extent as well were pretty significant rivals um, in basketball and in football. So the fact that you still have those teams that you're playing year in and year out, I think that helped with some of the continuity. And from a football perspective, I think Pittsburgh's probably the biggest rival in conference. They, Syracuse plays them every year. Uh, you know, Clemson's the best team clearly. So anytime you play them, it's going to be a big game. But I, I think Pittsburgh, because you've got that historical factor um, in that rivalry, I think that's that's what it is there. From a basketball standpoint, it's Duke. You know, Duke and North Carolina are always going to be each other's number one rival, but uh, Syracuse against Duke has just been a fantastic event every time they've played, whether it's in the Dome, whether it's in Cameron Indoor, or even in the ACC tournament. 
So that's been really fun to, to watch develop. I think that's how that shaped out from a basketball standpoint. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for your time tonight, man. And, uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to following you along this week. Uh, where, what will you be doing on game day? Are you going to be, are you going to be at the game live tweeting? Do you do some type of blog or, or just write post game? Uh, what are, what is your kind of game day and where can we follow all of your stuff at this week? Yeah, you can follow us on allsyracuse.com. We'll have uh, links to everywhere you can follow us uh, for live updates during the game. Um, I've got a, a team of, of writers uh, that's, that covers the game with me. So they'll be, I won't actually physically be at the Dome, but I'll be watching on television. We'll have one of our writers there. But I'll be uh, tweeting throughout the game from my own Twitter account as well. Um, and then our, our site's Twitter account is Syracuse on SI on Twitter. Mine is McAllister Mike one on Twitter. So those, both of those accounts will have updates. We'll have the Syracuse perspective, uh, fair warning. I do like to complain about officiating quite a bit. So you will see that from my Twitter feed. <laughs> um, and you know, we'll have everything from the Syracuse perspective leading up to the game, um, interviews with players, Dino Baber's press conference, uh, depth charts, all that stuff is going to be up on our site. So you can check all of that out. Awesome. Man. Forward to it. And uh, good luck this weekend. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of exciting for both of these programs to be on a Friday night game on the ESPN ACC network. Uh, I don't think there are too many other big games that Friday. So it looks like, feels like all eyeballs are on us on Friday. Uh, like you said, you guys are two and one looking, looking to kind of shape up with a, see how your season's going to turn out. We're looking to go 4-0. If we go 4-0, uh, we think we're going to be in the top 25. So both teams have a lot to play for, and it uh, feels like it's going to be a fun night in, up in Syracuse on Friday. So thank you very much for your time, and uh, good luck this Friday, and uh, we will catch up again next time. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Week four of the Liberty Line takes us back to the land of the orange, Syracuse, New York for a little Friday night primetime game in the ACC. But first, we go back to Saturday's game at home against ODU, in which Liberty had no problems taking care of the Monarchs, 45-17. to The Flames easily covered the over, but it was a late field goal decision by Coach Hugh Freeze with under four minutes to go that Liberty was successful on that pushed that total to 28 points. And, well, that was where the line was, and we had... ODU at plus 28, so it's a push. Our current record on the season now goes to 3-1-1. One, and one. As we predicted, Malik Willis and the Flames offense would look better than what they did on the road and a little bit of a struggle against Troy. So, all right, here we go on a Friday night's game, which is a rematch of last year when the Flames really stepped onto the FBS scene for the 2020 season, winning 38-21. to 21. The Qs for this year, they're 2-1. and one with their one loss being at home a couple of weeks ago to Rutgers, where they lost 17-7. This past week, they destroyed Albany in a game where you would expect them to do, and their defense played pretty well. Gave up 135 yards total and forced eight sacks, so it'll certainly be the toughest game for the Orange, but I think it's one they're up against for this week. Liberty, when the line came out on Sunday, they jumped out to a seven-point favorite. It's currently sitting at Liberty, minus six, and still at seven points at some places. The total, it's 53. The Flames are starting to get back into that groove after scoring 45 points last week, and I don't see a way for the Orange to be able to stop Malik Willis and company. So we're going to take Liberty, minus six. If you can get it, if it's at minus seven, we're okay with that too. 
and the total being the over at 53 points. So we're looking to go 5-1-1. One, one. Hopefully we'll go 2-0 and oh for you this week. Uh, but kickoff for Friday night's game is at 8 o'clock. That game can be watched on the ACC Network. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. If you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects, reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at Johnny underscore Moon, or you can visit his website, lunasound.design. 